Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. I'm Matt Davis. Welcome back to Parts Unknown, or welcome to Parts Unknown if you're finding us for the first time. We've got a decent back catalogue building in our archives, so do check out those if you haven't yet. This week we're taking a journey back in time to 2007, a time when Donald Trump wasn't the president of America. He was just an odious bozo headlining WrestleMania 23. Good times. Here with me to dissect the battle of the billionaires and the rest of the highs and, well, mostly lows of the big night in Ford Field in Detroit is brother love Anton Tolui. Hello there. The legend killer killer Karl Anka. And the doctor of thugonomics, Carrie Dunn. Hello. What's your PhD actually in, Carrie? It's in sociology. Oh, is that because the thugonomics course was full? Yes. Yes, I mean, obviously John Cena caused it to be oversubscribed and I just couldn't get in. And that was just basic thugonomics as well, wasn't it? It wasn't advanced. Which it was, was not. Um, so we're riffing on the past here with WrestleMania 3, which was also in Detroit, of course, a constant reference point. All grown up is the tagline for this event. We get various vignettes throughout the night of superstars as kids and we get Aretha Franklin singing America the Beautiful as at Mania 3. Um, let's start with the bout that didn't go on last but was surely the main event in most people's eyes. It is, of course, the hair versus hair match between Vince and DT. Fought by their proxies Umaga slash Umanga and Bobby Lashley, minus his sisters. Donald Trump, accompanied to the ring by a beauty queen and with more in the front row cheering him on. He was the most searched term on the World Wide Web that week, don't you know? Stone Cold Steve Austin was the guest referee and it goes 13 minutes on the nose. Um, Carl, inform people who don't know a little bit about the background of this feud. Why was Donald Trump involved in WWE at all? I have absolutely no idea. Aren't they just <laughs> braggadocio New Yorkers who... Like money, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you successfully fill people in on the background <laughs> of this story. Um, let's not forget we got that memorable Trump versus Rosie O'Donnell match on Raw. Anybody remember this? Yes, I wish uh, where done. the crowd were chanting TNA throughout it, and they actually apologised the next week. I think it might be the only time in WWE history that they apologised for something that they'd done, and it was a sort of vaguely inoffensive skit rather than anything else. Um, Carl, were you sports entertained by this match? Oh, heavens no. <laughs> this was bad. Um, you mentioned Bobby Lashley was here without his sisters. I found it quite funny that in this all grown up bit, Bobby Lashley talks about his family and he also talks about his military history and how he you know, he grew up in a military family. So, well, last week, uh, WrestleMania 24, I mentioned, isn't it weird that no one has ever come out and gone to John Cena? You never served. That's really weird. And now, oh, Lashley was meant to do it. That's weird. Why have they brought him back? Well, also, Lashley's on Raw saying the same things he said 13 years ago. And they're not good. No, all. no, no, no. That's why it didn't work 13 years ago. And they're doing exactly the same thing again. And it's not working now. No. Bobby Lashley is a charisma vacuum. Carrie, I think this is going to be quite a negative podcast generally because this wasn't a great event. But let's um, let's try and look for a positive in this match. Vince McMahon's very good at, at selling stuff, isn't he? That, he? That's a positive. He is. I've got another positive. This is one of my ticks that I wrote in my notes. JR is, remains correct all these years later with his assessment of Trump's hair as one of the great mysteries of humankind. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. There we go. There's two positive things. 
Um, Vince does a nice strut as well, doesn't he, to the ring. It's kind of like, I mean, it it, it borders on a chicken, but it just stays <laughs> the right side of being human. Um, nobody's ever going to be able to, to better that man's strut, are they? No. Vince is very special. I mean, I don't ever want to watch him do actual wrestling matches, but the way that he carries himself and the way he plays the Mr. McMahon character, which is basically himself... Yeah, I love it. Um, Anton, based on the fact that Trump became president nine years after this, are we thinking that Drew Carey, Snooki or Ronda Rousey will be running against The Rock in 2024? I could see Snooki for the Senate at least. Yeah. yeah Kane as an independent, maybe? Definitely, yeah. I mean, can we just... I mean, we don't need to go into the minutiae of how just disgusting Donald Trump is. But the fact he was obviously sort of accompanied to the ring by a beauty pageant winner who looked like he was, they were basically just taking someone around a residential home for their little... Come on, let's go out for a walk! And then... He grabbed her by the shoulder, though. By the I shoulder. Noticed. Yeah, By yeah. the shoulder. Um, and then we cut to Miss Teen USA, which, let's be honest, is a creepy award. <laughs> How is that a thing? And then two other um, pageant winners as well. Ooh, that's, it's just horrible, isn't it? Yeah. At, at no point did anyone go, does anyone feel uncomfortable oh no we can't we're wwe let's wait till later <laughs> we'd seen trump in a backstage um segment which the boogeyman got involved in obviously you know it was it was nonsense but the one i want to talk about was where steph brings her baby in to see vince the baby's in its pram vince talks baby talk to it then cuts a vicious promo on trump which we see from the perspective of the baby in the pram a horrified vince closes the segment declaring she just took a trump um, I sort of loved that. I mean, it was horrendous, but amazing. It was it was outrageous. It was hilarious. But also, it started with Steph bringing the baby over and him going, oh, that's your grandchild. <laughs> oh, what a memorable match. Well, of course, um, Bobby Lashley won it and Vince got his head shaved with, um, with much hilarity. I like the fact that the barber's chair got its own music on the way down to the ring as well. That was it, a nice WrestleMania. It looked moment. like Johnny Five Alive from Short Circuit, didn't it? Like kind of pottered on wheels down, down the ramp. So that was that. Let's get to the title bouts. Um, we'll start with Batista against The Undertaker. We said last week that Edge was perhaps Undertaker's greatest foe. Um, Carrie, Batista's not far behind, really. They had some cracking matches when you look back on it. I love Batista. I am increasingly loving him as we go backwards through WrestleManias. There are times here um, when he's kind of very kind of slow, but he's methodical, and what he does, he does really well. And also, if you watch the crowd reaction, people are really kind of going up against you know Taker the when he's actually wailing on Batista. People are really reacting to that, and some of the bumps are really kind of vicious, really kind of powerful. Yeah, I thought this was great. I I love Batista. There we go. That's my <laughs> new motto. Is it a realistic prospect that we could see him back in 2018 or 2019, or has he made too much money from films to be bothered with um, with WWE anymore? Well, apparently, Batista doesn't like PG product and very much wants to come back and do non-PG stuff and played and whatnot, and he wants to do full-time. Uh, and you're in that weird spot that Kurt Angle was in before Kurt returned, where Kurt wanted to come back on a full-time contract. Triple H went, we'll bring you back as a part-timer, as a kind of wink-wink... I know you're going to say no. And I think that's the current state of play between everyone. I find it incredibly odd that WWE hasn't mentioned once Batista when he's just started like one of the highest grossing films ever in Avengers Infinity War. Um, I think they're in a half-decent relationship. Well, Batista's, Batista's text Triple H before WrestleMania to suggest he was teamed up with Rousey. And Triple H said initially said yes, and then 
didn't get back to him and they clearly decided to go with Kurt, which kind of makes financial sense. You don't know how much it costs to get Batista mm. out. But Batista has said he's, he'll happily do one more run. He's turning 50. He's in that stage of his life where, you know, it's either now or never. And, you know, action films are action films. He's going to get offered roles for the next four or five years anyway. He's not. He's never going to be the star like a, like a rock anyway. So I think he knows he can always go back to acting whenever he wants. So he's kind of left the door open. But again, you don't know financially how much it would cost WWE to get him out, I suppose. But you wonder, I guess, we try not to be too current on this show, but we're recording shortly after the news about Fox buying SmackDown for a billion dollars has come out. They're going to want some star power. So maybe that's where the fit comes in in September 2019, isn't it, that it starts? They're they're not going to say, all right, well, let's have the stars of 205 Live on Friday nights. They're going to want some names. Yeah, every time a Raw or or SmackDown switches networks, they throw everything at it for a few weeks. Um, so I expect to see some, you know, Rocks, Shawn Michaels, whoever they can, just throw them. You know, even not in the ring, just just get them on the program. Um, but as Carl just said, there's no mention of Batista even in programming. You, you just you think you'd, you'd mention him to try to even just get that across, but there doesn't seem to be any desire to tap into the mainstream appeal of Batista at the moment, which is a surprise. Most recent return, the plan was he's you know goes to WrestleMania, he wins the Rumble. Wins at WrestleMania 30, turns heel, starts feuding with CM Punk at SummerSlam. That was the plan, apparently. And then Bootista, Bluetista. Um, and credit to Batista, he clearly adores wrestling. And he clearly, every time he leaves, he leaves in the right way of just like, oh no, I'm a really bratty, narcissistic heel. I'm going to put over some younger talent, which I really like. Um, yeah, I like Batista too. I, I completely agree with Carrie. And the further we go back, the more my appreciation for Batista increases. And this is an underrated match. This is a really good match. You know, Batista is brilliant at what he does. And like you said, he comes across as methodical, not plodding. And that's, that's, why this, this, that's why the match works. It's a nice, fun mess. And it starts off really, really hot. I think in the, last, in the first five, seven minutes, Batista goes from the top rope and Cole basically goes apoplectic. Oh my God, I've never seen Batista try a high-risk manoeuvre like that. Um, and you can really see... When Undertaker's enjoying a match, and he, I think he enjoys wrestling someone who can physically lift him up, because you know he's seven foot something. Not many people can lift them up and move him around the ring. So shout he, out to Roman Reigns. <laughs> yeah. So when he gets a dance partner that can do the big physical stuff, you can see it in his face, especially when they go through like the yay boo punching spot. That he's like, come on, yay! I finally got someone who can keep up with me. I really enjoyed this match. Well done, Big Dave. Um, so obviously he didn't win. Taker did to go 15-0. The other title match was Shawn Michaels versus John Cena. They went into it as tag team champions, which is a trope that WWE used to used to dip into quite a lot um, in the late 90s as much as anything else. But they went for it here too. Um, Sean said, I've turned against all my partners and more importantly, I've stabbed all my friends in the back. But with you, John, it's different. Um, it would prove, yeah, I suppose it was different. They had a, a pretty, almost legit match, actually quite a good match. Um, did anybody notice, I'm sure uh, being the wrestling aficionados that we all are, we were aware of this, but the the long pause and tight camera shots on both Sean and Cena when they were stood in the ring because a fan actually got into the ring with the intention of streaking um, and slowed up the main event. I did not know that. Mm. Oh, no. Well then. 
Yeah, they did a good job of editing it on the night, but yeah, look it up, it happened. Um, we're recording this a couple of weeks in advance. This is the first time that we've had a, a chance to talk about the latest twist in the John Cena, Nikki Bella, greatest love story of our time. Um, a very pertinent question from producer Ben. Can anybody think of two more different in-laws than the Bella Bryans and the Bella Cenas? Um I feel sorry for Daniel Bryan because he kind of gets asked questions about John Cena that he has to straight bat in a way that he's obviously thinking, yeah, he's a bit of an oddball. Um, it's all a big work, Carrie, do you yes, care? Yes, it's all a big work. It was a work from the start. And the Bella Bryans and the Bella Cenas, I'm starting to think that they're not as different as we actually initially thought. I mean, we all think of... Uh, of Brian and and Bree as as the vegans and their allotments and their pets and so, they're still basically whoring out their family life for a reality TV show. <laughs> there we go. I think the hope is that because the the debut episode of this season of Total Bellas, which I'm sure we've all watched, got the lowest ratings of any ever. I think that I think the hope is that we can we can knock this on the head soon because it's it makes you think less of Daniel Bryan, which is um, which is not a good thing. <laughs> start watching Miz and, Miz and Mrs. Instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but but you get the feeling like that that'll be a knowing silly yeah. program yes, exactly. Whereas the Bellas aren't really in on the joke. There, there's no self awareness there. Yeah. Is there? yeah. Um, 59% of those who texted AT&T thought John Cena was going to win this match, which was quite modern. Um, I thought, Carl, that it was um, going to be a bit of a stinker. Watching it again, I, I quite enjoyed it. And it's a John Cena match. Is that because of Shawn Michaels? Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. There's next to no build. But when you have Shawn Michaels, you don't really need a great build other than I, I want to fight you because I think you're on the best. Um, it's very odd because this is the second... WrestleMania in a row, no, maybe the third WrestleMania in a row, where Cena has to face someone goes, you're not a true champion yet, you have to fight me of the old guard, um, which is hilarious, because, you know, Tim Rink to modern day, how often we complain about Roman Reigns defeating someone, and they hold his arm aloft and go, he's the real guy. I'm like, oh, wow, this is when they really did it for Cena. Oh, wow, they're booing Cena already. Wow. <laughs> Something to do with the STFU, as it was at hmm. this point? Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, Carrie, you're a noted Sean O'Skeptic, I would like to think. We, we spoke on when last we met about how he explained a lot of his actions in his first run by saying, I'm a drug addict. Yeah. Um, at this point, obviously, he was not. Um, it w- was part of his contrition and his rehabilitation, the fact that he was prepared to take somebody like John Cena and do as much as he can to, to make him look legitimate? I think so. And I think also not just what he does, but the way that he does it, that kind of contrition and that uh, the way he seems to be throwing himself quite wholeheartedly into that narrative is is pretty impressive. And again, so I wasn't watching... Uh, WrestleMania 23 in this kind of era as it happened, kind of going back and watching it, I kind of thinking yeah, okay, I get what you're doing there and slightly less sceptical about him as a person perhaps just from watching watching that uh, that particular performance, but uh, yeah, still the world's most noted Shane is sceptic <laughs> Great bit near the end where Sean goes for a super kick, it goes into a FU, then into a switch in music dodge I'm like, oh, this is amazing this is what you can get when you have an amazing kinetic energy performer like Shawn Michaels. And and JR does really well in commentary on this. So at the start, when it's quite slow. JR is selling mm-hmm. um, a lot of Shawn's moves, saying he's targeting Cena's legs to take away his explosive power, <laughs> which is one of those, like, when you really think about it, 
half makes sense. Maybe. He also says a one-legged man can't be WWE champion, which really stuck out to me because I thought it was hilarious. He, he also said, I don't listen to hip-hop, I don't wear any bling-bling, which I yeah. thought was quite a glorious... He um, bling-bling, and that's, it sounded more like a Chinese panda, didn't it, than an actual... <laughs> he knew what he was talking about. Um, Anton, I feel like we haven't... I don't know enough about your feelings on Shawn Michaels. Um, so, So tell me, is he one of the greatest, if not the greatest, wrestler the WWE's ever produced? I am glad I am re-watching Shawn Michaels' matches because my thoughts about him have changed. Um, So we're now watching the period where I wasn't watching WWE programme very often. I was 21, I think, when 23 came out. So I was a student, didn't have Sky and that kind of thing. So I remember drug addict Shawn, and then I remember sort of retirement Shawn. And this is the period where... We go back and we see a guy who can't quite physically do what he used to do week in, week out, but can do it on the big stage. And for me, and I'm not sure Carrie's going to agree with me, but in terms of the modern era, I think he's the greatest storyteller in the ring. He is absolutely phenomenal in terms of just the, what he can do. You, you emotionally believe in everything. So Carl was talking about the beginning of the match. And yeah, obviously JR helps in the way, you know, kind of almost sort of explaining why they're doing the moves they are. But in terms of, it's basically Shawn Michaels saying, I'm older, more experienced than you. I'm in your head. I know how to beat you. And you, you need to combat what I'm doing to beat me to be the best. And that's just in moves. It's not in the storyline. There was no build to this match. So, and we'll go back and watch, you know, then another couple of them. We mentioned Flair last week as well in terms of he is brilliant because he knows what the end point of a match knows, understands why they're feuding, and then lets his actions tell you why you believe and why you're emotionally invested in this. And I just genuinely... And it's not just that... It's not just he's got this contorted, wonderful, pained face. He's, it's everything he does in the ring has a reason, and that's... It, I just genuinely think it's exceptionally rare. It's the sort of thing that a 15-year vet like John Cena should have picked some of up by now, um, but he never did. Uh, that's the sort of big three matches from WrestleMania 23, but there's lots more that we have got to digest about the show in Detroit, so stick around. We'll be doing that next. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome back to Parts Unknown. Um, this mania is the first time that we've seen Chris Benoit. He's up against MVP for the US title. Cross-face, diving head, but not fun to watch. About six weeks later, it all turns extremely dark. 25th June 2007, he kills his wife and son before hanging himself. Um, it was later revealed uh, his brain was so severely damaged, it was described as resembling the brain of an 85-year-old Alzheimer's uh, Patient. There's lots of good stuff you can read and watch about this if you don't know too much about it. David Shoemaker in the Squared Circle in particular, the Wrestling with Demons documentary, and lots of other stuff. I've got to be honest, I've, this, this was the era of WrestleManias that I'd watched before, so I'd seen this match before, and I used that as an excuse not to watch it again because I just don't feel that comfortable in watching Chris Benoit. Does anybody else feel the same? Is it, is it, is it right the way that WWE have completely airbrushed him out of their history? Um, listen to my voice. 
Yes. It's a very, very, very difficult subject to, to even think about, let alone talk about, yeah. isn't it? And because he, because he was such a key feature of so much of, that, of those years um, and so much of the storytelling, he is in or around the, the main event, or if he's not in and around the main event, he's in and around the passing of the torch. Um, so in this match, uh, JBL is speaking very highly of Benoit and saying this man's a future Hall of Famer and is one of the, this is one of those matches where MVP loses but gets the rub because he took Benoit to the limit. Um, CM Punk talks about how the reason we don't have many DVDs of the Ruthless Aggression era are because so many of them have Benoit in it and I think Benoit kind of used Ruthless Aggression as a term. He did Toothless Aggression it was. There you are. Um, my viewpoint on this is we can talk about Benoit as a performer and we will probably save the big discussion for when we get to WrestleMania 20. Uh, but I will say there was one... WrestleMania 20, the triple threat, is one of my first ever matches where I began to appreciate stuff like work rate and storytelling and bell-to-bell stuff. Um, and then they have another match at Backlash. And at the match of Backlash, Benoit wins. And then he goes to see his wife and children. And you can see that on the tape. And it was... I remember watching it very recently and very loudly screaming when I saw that and it's one of those I probably shouldn't be watching these too much uh, I would recommend uh, the Talk is Jericho podcast episode where he talks to Nancy Benoit's sister and they talk about how they can reconcile how who, someone who's essentially their friend did this horrific thing um, and I think that's probably the better people to be talking about that than a 20 something year old kid from London Really well put, Carl. I think we'll probably, as you say, park Chris Benoit there and we'll come back to him as he gets more involved. Um, but yeah, go look at those things if you don't know much about it. It's, it's a really important, if horrendous, part of wrestling history. Also on this match, speaking of um, horrendous parts of wrestling history, he said distastefully, we get Kane versus the great Carly. Um, Anton, have you ever met the great Carly? No. Right. Thankfully, no. Um, You'll remember him waddling down to the ring in the Punjabi prison uh, spectacle that we saw last year. Last year, yeah. Um, He was so bad that he made the giant Gonzalez look like Ric Flair. It's so it's (laughs) it's so difficult to watch, isn't it? It because just watching him walk makes me wince because I think that's not how humans walk. No, and it's not his fault. That's that's what makes it really. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's uncomfortable to watch because he's just doing what he's told. People think it's entertaining to see a big guy in the ring, even though he's physically incapable of doing what's asked of him. And then he's and then he's got to be a heel, so he's got to do sort of get the chain out, and uh, which clearly he doesn't really understand. Sort of, he's just following directors, as opposed to understanding why he's being. It's just, oh, it just makes me feel so uncomfortable. This it, is him better. So this is two thousand seven. So this is when he can still move around a little bit more before. Um, the effects of gigant- gigantism have, you know, properly hamstrung his ability to walk and uh, do things. He has a larger move set than what he had two or three years ago, where all he has is a chop and a headbutt. I think someone MVP once said that the worst bump you can ever take in your life is Great Carly giving you a chop on the chest because he does he hits you so hard you forget that you're supposed to fall backwards and bump. You're just going, ah, <laughs> my chest. Um, and and yeah, you look at Great Carly, you look at Giant Gonzalez, and you realise just how 
resplendent and amazing Kane and the Undertaker are, and just how difficult it is to be six foot eleven, seven foot, and wrestle. Because uh, if you're if you're that height, go to the NBA. Carrie, um, what what was your favourite kiss cam moment with the great Carly <laughs> and Natalia? God. The kiss cam. Oh, I, I completely blocked out the Natalia thing as well. What I did enjoy in this... I mean, they're such a natural pairing, though, aren't really, they? Really, really, the cat thing and, <laughs> and, and, and great Carly. No, um, in this, it seems like Carly's trying to be some kind of... Uh, that's Braun Strowman, kind of looking back on it kind of 15 years later. If, if Braun Strowman was terrible and couldn't move, that's what great Carly was trying to do in this match. I thought he was the heel. I'm really confused now. That's blown my mind. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to be behind Kane in this match. That's, yeah, I've got no Anyone idea. Anyone who had to wrestle great Carly, well done. Um, the, yeah, you, you're going to talk about how great Shawn Michaels is. Shawn Michaels got a passable match out of great Carly. Um, speaking of the shits, we got a segment <laughs> with um, Crime Time and Eugene uh, also knocking about with some divas, May and Moolah, Slick, Dusty Rhodes. Uh, and a couple more. I owe you an apology, Carrie. Uh, so last week I said I think I love Mae Young because I think Mae Young's in on the joke. I watched this and went, oh, I was dreadfully naive. <laughs> She's not in on the joke. This so, basically was, it was Sorry a, for being naive. This segment was basically just a bunch of middle-aged men going, how can we grind up against women that are 20 <laughs> years younger than us? I know. <laughs> it's really awkward to watch, isn't it? Let's go way back to the start of the show for something that was good. Uh, the Money in the Bank match here. A victorious Mr. Kennedy plus CM Punk in his first WrestleMania. Edge, Finley, Jeff and Matt Hardy, Booker T and our favourite Randall Keith Orton. No Kofi Kingston, no Shelton Benjamin. Um, Kennedy won. He would later declare that the Kennedy era had begun. He said he was going to cash in at Mania 24. He got injured, lost his Money in the Bank to Edge. Turned out the injury wasn't as bad as first feared, so he didn't need to drop the Money in the Bank. He then got a suspension shortly afterwards... Uh, because of the signature pharmacy scandal and he got himself in all sorts of trouble trying to talk his way out of that in loads of media interviews. There was a period, Carrie, where I thought that Ken Kennedy was a surefire hit because of their mic drop thing, the gimmick was good, um, the name Kennedy lent itself to him being Vince's son, which, as we discussed, was the um, initial thought. Where did it go wrong for him? Was it, was it just what he did outside of the ring, really? Also, he's not really that good. <laughs> he's not a great he's wrestler, terrible. but he had some, he had some charisma. He does though. have charisma, and he, st- well, he still does. But, uh, yeah, I've written him... Mr. Kennedy is an actual thing. That was really kind of overwhelming to me, having only seen him kind of recently. But even recently, and he's still obviously not that good, yes, the charisma, and you actually kind of want to watch him. I find him quite interesting to watch on the screen. But, yeah, he's just not He's just not very good. I, I really didn't like the, the gimmick, the mic drop gimmick. And then he kind of just shouted his name like a confused war veteran having his first <laughs> orgasm for four years. <laughs> it was just... I just Anton's don't... Anton's analogies, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I just <laughs> don't understand. Kennedy! <laughs> We've spoken about how saying your name you know, over and over again is a good way to get over in WWE. You know, happy Bruce Day to yeah. you. So, uh, But yeah, Ken Ken- my notes say, oh wow, Ken Kennedy actually sucked. Because his speech when he gets the briefcase is a weird pastiche of Stone Cold after he wins King of the Ring and Ric Flair's 1992 Royal Rumble one. He, so he goes, first thing, he goes, first thing, uh, ever put everyone holding championship gold um, on notice, which is roughly Stone Cold going, everyone, Davy Boy Smith, blah, 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 you're all on my list. And then he goes, I'd like to congratulate myself, which is like a Ric Flair thing. And then there's, there's a little bit right at the end after he like he's finished his thing he's holding the briefcase 
and he goes, blah, blah, money in the bank. The briefcase sort of like folds in on himself and he just goes, bank. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a real, oh, wow. I could see why I thought you were really cool when I was 15 and why now I'm a bit older. You're not great. You're just mediocre in an age where everyone is terrible. You've got like the young Dolph Ziggler's about you. (laughs) You think you're better than you are because everything around you is not great. Um, Anton, we we got Randy in this match, which was good because he's not normally in this kind of match. It gave him a chance to extend his range and show us what he could do and the various facets to his character. Uh, you must have enjoyed that. Name me one move he did in this match. <laughs> he was a, he was absent for the entire match. The only thing about Randy Orton I've got in this in this is written. I forgot him and Edge were a tag team. Oh yeah, rated RKO. Yeah, that I complete, completely forgot about that. And as mentioned, that I literally can't remember him doing anything in this match. Because um, it's not his kind of thing, and he probably went. Oh, I'm not taking. I'm not going to take in a ladder block. I'm not. What can I do an RKO off? No, no. Oh, if you're not going to give me that, I'm not going to do it. He did an RKO on Punk off the ladder. Oh well, there you go. Fine. So, so good. <laughs> but on even him. that wasn't. That was no end of the best ladder sort of moment in this match, was it? I mean, there was some great moments. Jeff Hardy was with the leg drop. With on the leg good. drop on on Edge. And but the thing I loved about that was how the comms added to it because they were just shouting now go in the match go in the match because that's what we're all thinking everybody especially at this time there's such a grand swell of support for Jeff to have that huge title push and you're right in terms of we know what you can do you've done the tag team stuff you you know don't don't worry about anything else just go and be the guy and obviously he wasn't in this match but in terms of that I love that because it encapsulated how probably most of the fans were thinking um, Carrie, do you want to talk about all three minutes and 40 seconds of the women's match? Melina versus Ashley, the sexiest women on television, said Jesus JBL. Christ. Yes, yes, I would like to speak about this. Um, JBL saying, how lucky is the crowd? Because obviously the crowd is constituted of solely straight men. Mm. Um, I, I also kind of noted here the few women who have last names. That's always fascinating me in WWE. <laughs> the number who, who just have their first names and that's all they get referred to by. And here again, the motivation is jealousy. Uh, the one is jealous of the attention paid to the other. There's your diva storyline from WWE for, what, 12 years? It's the same thing. Oh, my God. Yes. Terrible. I hate everything. So basically, Candice Michelle went into Vince's office and said, look, I don't want to just be a one-name wonder. I need a surname. And the compromise they reached was, you can have a surname, but it has to be a first name as well. Yes. Okay, yes. cool. What? <laughs> you have to have a hyphen. I mean, don't go back and rewatch this match, but JBL does say sexy at least ten times. It's, it's disgusting. It's three minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the build-up. It's, oh, it's, oh. <laughs> there are lots of people in wrestling I don't like to think about having sex, but JBL is quite high up in that list, oddly. Oh, now I want to know your power rankings. We'll have a chat later. <laughs> Um, ECW version 2 was not a success here we saw why as the ECW originals Rob Van Dam, Sabu, The Sandman and Tommy Dreamer defeated the new breed Elijah Burke, Kevin Thorne, Marcus Corvon and Matt Stryker with <laughs> Ariel um, Carl what's your favourite Marcus Corvon match? I'm just laughing at Matt Stryker existing what? what? <laughs> Marcus Corvon you'll, you'll, be, you'll, you'll remember his, his entire one? no that was no, uh, no, Kevin who, Thorne who, who was the guy that dressed up like a drag version of The Undertaker called Kevin. Kevin Thorne. 
what, what was his gimmick? What was that? What was that? He was, uh, he was, it was he. He was like a concession to the fact that ECW was being screened on Sci-Fi when it came back. So they had to make some right. some weird. On the very oh. first episode of ECW on Sci-Fi, there was a character called the Zombie who just walked out. Uh, he was like mummified. He just walked out. Uh, somebody beat him up, and then he went away again. But they uh, reportedly had to put that kind of stuff in there. Don't um, call him Kevin, though. <laughs> <laughs> Big Kev. <laughs> yeah, don't name him after an accountant. It doesn't quite work, does it? Um, um, the Sandman was at, at, at WrestleMania. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but, but not coming to enter Sandman, which is obviously, you know, you, I can spend all day watching videos of him entering rings at ECW to enter Sandman, but in WWE it just looks ridiculous. And they basically just called him a drunk throughout the whole thing, didn't they, in the commentary, <laughs> which, was, which wasn't very pleasant either. And the originals won. Which is a proper, it's like, <laughs> yeah, all these people are like maybe going to be John Cena heels, but probably not. So just like, <laughs> it's weird that it didn't work out, isn't it? ECW V2. It's so funny. I just watching this, you think Vince really hates them. He hates everything to do with ECW. So why, why did he bring it back? Because he's strange and he likes to have control over everything, doesn't he? He's just a megalomaniac. But the way they just kept emphasising how much ECW sucks, it's going, everything about it is terrible. You own this product. What are you even doing? Um, but yeah, Matt Stryker. Shady <laughs> when he makes you laugh. <laughs> he can bump. I was I got in my notes. Wow, Stryker can bump because all I know him can't as, commentate, but he can bump. Yeah. yeah, all I know him as is a mediocre commentator. But I went, oh, you can throw yourself about a ring. That's nice. And a, what a gingham tank top and 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 wrestling trunks to the to the ring. That was odd. <laughs> Matt Stryker, ladies and gentlemen, somebody who's featured a lot more on the past couple of episodes of Parts Unknown than we ever thought he would. As we look to wrap up, Hall of Fame, Dusty Rhodes, Mr. Perfect, Mr. Fuji, the Wild Simones, Nick Botwinkle, the Sheik, and Jerry the King Lawler, inducted by Shat himself, William Shatner. Um... Speaking of ECW, Jerry Lawler gets a, a massive bashing on, on this show, and, and quite rightly so, but there's that great bit when WWF, as it probably was then, and ECW were kind of in cahoots and they were doing that invasion thing, and uh, Jerry Lawler turns up in an ECW ring and says, this place should be made of toilet paper because it's full of pieces of shit, which I just <laughs> thought was quite funny. Um, this is a good class, though, right? I mean, Dusty, Mr. Perfect, we're, we're talking all-time greats here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jay on Hall of Fame is fantastic. Mr. Fuji is a delight as a individual, from what I understand. All like good reports of him say he was a delightful individual. Mr. Perfect is one of my favourite wrestlers of all time. Like I've found old VHS tapes and like the Mr. Perfect vignettes. Where he throws the football and catches it himself, yeah. yeah. Catching a pencil, doing a towel, uh, Mr. Perfect's theme music's on my Spotify playlist because obviously I think I'm a heel. Um, and Dusty Rhodes as well. There's a great piece on The Ringer about Dusty Rhodes' last 48 hours and talks about him in the hospital and where Cody was uh, and that... And I heartily recommend that for everyone to read um, because Dusty's the best. Um, Carrie, obviously Dusty Rhodes' legacy lives on with NXT and the fact that, you know, Cody and, and Dustin uh, have had brilliant wrestling careers themselves. Mr. Perfect, obviously, with Curtis Axel, still involved in the company. I know that Mr. Perfect is right up near the top of your all-time mm. faves list. So just just tell people who maybe don't know why why you hold him in such esteem. 
Um, the thing about Mr. Perfect is, again, I wasn't watching for his entire run, but uh, having watched lots of the archive stuff, and also WWE did a really good box set of DVDs with documentary stuff, and looking at his life as well as his career, his uh, career in uh, genuine sport and how he moved into professional wrestling, how he put in the work behind the scenes, how he was a really good family man, all that kind of stuff. It's really, really touching. And obviously, you know, the, the early deaths thing in wrestling is not unusual, but also, but seeing kind of the impact that it had on his family and also on, on his son. So when they did the documentary, he wasn't Curtis Axel. I think it was still the McGillicutty Michael phase. McGillicutty, yeah. But yeah, that was when I kind of became a bit of a, a bit of a McGillicutty fan, just because talking so honestly about uh, having to follow in the footsteps of your dad who has left that kind of legacy it's really really touching so if anyone can kind of look that up I, I would recommend it but Mr Perfect yeah it's like his wife said in the acceptance speech everything he did in the ring was absolutely spot on and in terms of character work too and in, in terms of production he yeah those are the best produced vignettes of that of wrestling at that time and you could argue few, many have tried to copy his persona and few have gone anywhere near even where we've got you know yeah, you know, it's so it'd be even easier to build up that kind of persona with social media these days. For example, is, no, is no, the no one could the closest it. that we've got to Mister Perfect in 2018 in in terms of the character, maybe not the in ring performer. Yeah, probably. I, I can't think of anybody that comes close. So yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, there's a great bit in the 2002 Royal Rumble where the final four is Triple H, Stone Cold, Kurt Angle, and Mister Perfect, and there's a bit just as the fifth person is eliminated, and one everyone is surprised beyond all belief that Mr. Perfect is at the Royal Rumble. And then when it slowly dawns on them that Mr. Perfect might win a Royal Rumble, the crowd just has 30 seconds where they make... Like, there's certain noises that are very hard to find in the age post-internet because it's very hard to be that surprised now we've got the internet and social media. And that was a true... The fans have absolutely no idea who's going to win because anyone could do it. And then it's like, go on, Perfect, do it. He doesn't, but... God... He truly was perfect. And, of course, he had a, a, a memorable match, so we're led to believe, on an aeroplane with Brock Lesnar on the um, plane ride from hell. If you don't know what the plane ride from hell is, kids, look it up. It is one of the most hilarious stories in wrestling history. I also love like, the way he was with Bobby Heenan at the 92 Royal Rumble. So Ric Flair's given the greatest speech of his life. Bobby Heenan's behind him, shit-talking. And then Mr. Perfect has a little bit going, we hate to say we told you so, but we told you so. And it's the most... It's like the best delivery of that sentence I've ever heard in my life. Just, hey, this I told you so, but I told you so. Overall then, Anton, Builders all grown up WrestleMania 23. Um, was it? Was it childish? What, what, what does it look like in 2018? It's got two good matches, isn't it? It's got the Money in the Bank match, which was, which was fun. And obviously, <clears throat> Taker Batista was, like I said, I genuinely think it's a massively underrated match. Um, and then the rest of it was kind of silly. Really, I mean, yeah, Sean Cena was probably well, certainly the highlight of in terms of matches of Cena's career at that time. Um, but other than that, I think it'll just go down as a fairly, it's probably a sort of four out of ten, five out of ten mania. I don't, I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's that bad. I just don't think it's going to be particularly well remembered either. Did you have a WrestleMania moment? Uh, moment, um, yeah, it's definitely the leg drop by Hardy to, to edge through the ladder. Carl? Uh, it's JR in the Battle of the Billionaires, where <laughs> he says Donald Trump's ex-wives are doing cartwheels. That's better than alimony. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Carrie? Matt Stryker. 
And for me, I've got to repeat it again just because I love saying it. It's Vince saying, she just took a trump with that look of exasperation and horror on his face, um, which is glorious. Carrie, where can people keep up with you on Twitter? At Carrie Sparkle. Carl? At Anchorman616. And Anton? At Sky Anton. Lovely stuff. I'm at Matt Davis FC. Davis is D-A-V-I-E-S. But more importantly, follow the brand at the PU Podcast. Next week is WrestleMania 22, which ought to have had the tagline, There Will Be Blood. Edge and Foley go hardcore. Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon go no holds barred. And John Cena goes gangster. That's in seven days' time. Until then, as I say, make sure you follow us on Twitter at the PU Podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family, Share and subscribe. Pop a review on iTunes if you're feeling especially generous. I've been Matt Davis. You've been in Parts Unknown. The Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com.